I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 15, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 13, Luke 24, 1 through 35, and John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. This is the New King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. So here's where we are. Jesus has been crucified. The date now is Nisan 17. That's the Sunday after the crucifixion. And this is the day that Jesus resurrects from the grave. Before we begin, let's know your Marys. As we read this passage, it's important to know that we're dealing with three different Marys here. To properly gain this perspective, take a look at John chapter 19, verse 25, which says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. So for the purpose of today's reading, let's number them as follows. First of all, number one Mary. That's the mother of Jesus. Number two Mary is Jesus' aunt, the wife of Cleophas, also known as the other Mary, or mother of James, the lesser, Joseph, and Salome. And then number three Mary is Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, according to Mark chapter 16, verse 9. So Mary, number one, the mother of Jesus, is not mentioned in any of the four Gospels in their account of the resurrection of Jesus. So we begin today with the discovery of the missing stone. That's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 4, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 and 2, and John chapter 20, verse 1. First Matthew 28, beginning with verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now over to Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Now Luke's account is found in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Now John's account is just one verse, John chapter 20, verse 1. Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, Matthew gives some detail regarding the earthquake that had moved the stone away from the opening of the sepulcher and the reaction of the guards when it happened. It's after daybreak on Sunday morning, and the tomb is open. While John just mentions Mary Magdalene in his account, Matthew and Mark mention that Mary, Jesus' aunt, was there also. 
But Luke reports down in chapter 24, verse 10, that there were other women present at the tomb site as well. We see in John chapter 20, verses 2 through 10, something only recorded by John, and that's the fact that John beats Peter in a foot race. Let's read it, verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Only John includes this. Before actually entering the tomb herself, Mary Magdalene runs to get Peter and John. The other disciple in verse 8 is the modest way by which John refers to himself in his gospel. Well, that's along with the not-so-modest disciple whom Jesus loved in verse 2. It's mildly amusing to me that John wants us to know that he's in better physical condition than Peter. He beats him to the tomb in a foot race. Yep, it's empty, all right. The grave clothes are there, but Jesus is checked out. Up to this point, Jesus hasn't appeared after his resurrection. Peter and John see evidence of his resurrection, and the Marys, they have not yet entered into the tomb. In the next passage of Scripture, the four accounts, the Marys do enter the tomb, Matthew chapter 28, verses 5 through 8, Mark chapter 16, verses 5 through 8, Luke chapter 24, verses 3 through 8, and John chapter 20, verses 11 through 13. Matthew 28, verse 5. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to bring his disciples' word. Now over to Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 3. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. 
Now, John's account is found in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So Matthew and John specify that the men were angels, while Mark and Luke simply refer to them as men. It was one of these angels at the sepulcher who invites the two Marys to enter. But Mark just records an encounter inside the sepulcher with a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. Luke reports the event from within the sepulcher in chapter 24, verse 4, and he says it like this, And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. At this point, they are informed that Jesus has resurrected. Then Jesus speaks to Mary Magdalene, recorded in Mark chapter 16, verse 9, and John chapter 20, verses 14 through 17. First, Mark 16, 9. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. Now, on to John chapter 20, beginning in verse 14. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Well, after her conversation with the two angels, Mary Magdalene gets another big surprise. When she turns around, there's Jesus. Not until after a brief conversation does she recognize that she's actually talking with Jesus. He does instruct her not to touch him at this point because he's not yet ascended to heaven. Specifically, Jesus had resurrected from the heart of the earth, as we saw in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, but had not yet ascended to heaven. And this brings up an interesting discussion when coupled with some other New Testament passages. So briefly, let me ask you to consider the following. Now, if you'd like to see this in detail, then look at my article entitled Paradise Relocated, located in the topic section of BibleTrack.org. But as a brief overview, let me mention the scriptures that I go into some detail with in that article. First of all, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, we see that Paul, when he's talking there in Ephesians chapter 4 about gifts, he takes a little doctrinal detour when he quotes Psalm 68:18 regarding the whereabouts of Christ between the crucifixion and the resurrection. It says there that he led a band of captives from the lower part of the earth to a place that was called far above all heavens, and that was at his resurrection. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, Jesus had said that he would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's the location of Hades. In Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, Jesus identifies a place called Abraham's bosom, and it's within eyesight of a place of torment separated by a great gulf. In Luke chapter 23, verse 43, Jesus tells the thief that got saved that today he would join him in paradise, the Greek word paradiso. In 1 Peter 3, 19, 
it says that Jesus preached to the spirits in prison. In John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus tells Mary not to touch him because he is not yet ascended to, and he says, my father. In Matthew 27, verses 52 through 54, after the resurrection of Jesus, some resurrected saints wandered into Jerusalem, and they appeared to many, many people. Based on these scriptures, it's logical to conclude that the folks saved prior to the resurrection, they were being held in Hades, where Christ showed up after his crucifixion and preached to the inhabitants there. After three days, he led a band of captives, meaning the saved prior to the resurrection folks, led them to heaven with a stop on earth to visit Mary. But remember, she was not to touch him, we saw in John's passage. At which time, some of these traveling to heaven saints wandered into Jerusalem. The next time he appears, it's okay to touch him. Now again, look at my article entitled Paradise Relocated if you'd like more details on this particular issue. We see then that Jesus meets the women en route in Matthew chapter 28, verse 9. It says in verse 9, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Now Matthew records that Jesus met the double Marys as they went to tell his disciples. These Marys embrace him at this point in time. This means that the no-touch restriction of John chapter 20, verse 17 is no longer in effect. Therefore, at this point in time, he must have already ascended, and now he's back, as we talked about a few moments ago. Then we find in our next section of Scripture, the women report to the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verse 10, Mark chapter 16, verses 10 and 11, Luke chapter 24, verses 9 through 12, and John chapter 20, verse 18. First, Matthew 28, verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. In Mark 16, verse 10, She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. Luke has the most detail in verses 9 through 12 of chapter 24. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. And John just gives it one verse, John chapter 20, verse 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So Luke reports in verse 10 that there are several women who go back to report their findings to the disciples. You mean they thought the women were making this stuff up? Well, yeah, afraid so. Luke reports that Peter went to the tomb to see what all the fuss was about, apparently his second trip of the day, but this time he's without John. However, even after the second trip, he apparently isn't certain what it all means. The evidence of their unbelief in verse 11 is the fact that they did not pack up and head for Galilee as they were instructed to do in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, and again in verse 10. We see in Mark chapter 16, verse 14, that Jesus finally has to go to them in Jerusalem, and that's where they're gathered. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15, 
There's a little bribe working here. Let's read about it. Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So Matthew gives us a little bit of insight into another issue regarding the resurrection of Jesus. The guards at the tomb are in a little bit of a predicament here. <laughs> They've lost the body. So when your primary function is to guard something and you lose it, well, that's pretty serious. Apparently, these were temple guards, not Roman guards, according to Matthew chapter 27, verse 65. And that's why they report back to the Jewish leaders for a what-do-we-do-now meeting. Well, here's the solution. If they'll just say that they took a snooze at which time the disciples came and stole the body, the Jewish leaders will, first of all, pay them a bribe for lying, and number two, they will cover for them with the Roman authorities if they're asked. Well, what a deal. The guards must have thought, hey, this works out okay for us and for them. We don't have to die after all. Plus, they had a little extra spending money. Matthew wants us to know that this bribe is common knowledge among the Jews, which he mentions in verse 15. In the next section of Scripture, Mark and Luke report that two of Jesus' disciples meet him on the road. Mark chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. First, Mark 16, verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Luke has an expanded account of this occasion in Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people." and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constraining him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, 
that he took bread, blessed and broken, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Well, as you can see, Luke covers this account exhaustively. Luke records the teaching session by Jesus for these two men. They were disciples, but they weren't included in the eleven. The initial encounter is on the road to Emmaus. That's a city about six or so miles away from Jerusalem. We see in Luke 24:33 that these two men went back to Jerusalem to report everything that had been told to them by Jesus to the eleven apostles. This appearance takes place on Resurrection Sunday as well as the report back to the eleven. It would appear that these two disciples, one was named Cleopas, we don't know anything about him, these disciples did not know with whom they were enjoying fellowship until they broke bread with Jesus in chapter 24, verse 30. At that point, they realized they were communing with Jesus. One verse in this passage might be easily overlooked with regard to its doctrinal value, and that's verse 27. It says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now that phrase, beginning with Moses, is particularly significant inasmuch as it's difficult to readily identify which quotation from Moses looks forward to the Messiah. However, it was apparently common knowledge among the Jews in Jesus' day that Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 22 was in fact a reference to the anticipated Messiah by Moses himself. I've written an article on that, that Moses prophesied the Messiah. It's located on the written notes of BibleTrack.org for today, and you can look for it under the topic section of BibleTrack.org, entitled Moses Prophesied the Messiah. There's one more significant fact that should be emphasized once again here. The two Marys had been instructed in Mark chapter 16, verse 7, to tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee. That was to be the first time they would see Jesus. We can only assume that the Marys correctly relayed the message to the disciples, but the disciples did not leave. That's an obvious sign of the unbelief for which Jesus rebukes them in Mark chapter 16, verse 14. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.